0: Hey, welcome back. This is Dan, Solo Pod today. Weekly Ratchet for the week of October 20th, 2023. So, let's just get right into it. Number 1. ETFs. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to keep hammering this one probably throughout the rest of the year because it's there's so much to say and it is so massively bullish for Bitcoin if they issue, right? Uh, there's a lot of positive signs, though, I got to say. Um, the SEC has been very hostile to the Bitcoin ETF applications for many years, and a lot has changed recently, just the second half of this year. It, there's a lot of signs that the winds have changed and the SEC gets it and that they are very, very likely to approve multiple Bitcoin ETFs in the coming months. So a couple of things. Last week, if anyone listened, I was eagerly <laughs> awaiting the, the decision if the SEC was going to appeal the ruling in the Grayscale case, which the deadline was last Friday at midnight, and they did not. The SEC did not appeal, which means that it's pretty likely that the Grayscale ETF is going to be issued. But just looking at the SEC posture on these things, They could have appealed. They could have appealed really as an attempt just to delay, delay, delay. And that that has been the SEC's posture to now is to delay these things as long as they can. And then eventually, when they have to make a decision, they just straight deny without really any comment, just straight deny. Okay. Well, the other thing that has happened of late, which has been a very positive signal is that the SEC doesn't just wait and deny they have gone back to the the companies that have filed so the Blackrocks and the Arcs and the Fidelities of the World and they're seeking revisions they are commenting there's a dialogue there's a back and forth and the companies in fact just this week both Blackrock and Arc filed revised applications changing certain provision, proactively addressing the SEC's concerns and putting it in the filing, making changes in advance. Hey, doing what regulators are supposed to be doing. This is what healthy markets do. It's not that the SEC is supposed to have a moral choice on which asset classes are favored and which ones aren't. That's not their job. Their job is simply investor protection. And usually what that means is all kinds of disclosures and things like that well, that's what's happening. That is actually what's happening. And so that's, that's very positive. And just as a quick aside about BlackRock, again, we just have to remember, the BlackRock Bitcoin ETF application itself is just a massive thing. Because again, they're the biggest asset manager in the world. And with enormous political clout, and they know what's going on. I mean, that's just the thing. It's, it's hard to imagine that they would even file one if they didn't have real good reason to think that it would be approved. So they BlackRock has something in the neighborhood of 600 different ETFs already, all kinds of assets, asset classes. And they've only had one, one ever denied. 601, essentially, is their record currently at getting etfs approved i tend to think they know what they're doing here i really do and there's a dialogue so it's just also it's just ask yourself if they've just never done this before they've never done the revisions and the commenting back and forth and they just straight denied now blackrock's involved now they're losing in court and also now they're asking for revisions proactively does that just feel like that they're, that they're eventually then going to also deny? No. It feels like things have changed. And I think that the SEC is actually going to claim a victory here because in some of these revisions that they're getting now, these revised applications, I think the SEC is essentially winning some points, you know, whatever they are. Whatever the details of it are, will give the SEC some cover when they do eventually approve them. They'll say, we got X, Y, and Z, which is what we wanted all along. This is what we wanted. We got it. Great. Hey, great. You know, not, Knock yourselves out. SEC, if that's what happens, I want, I want that to happen. I'd be very happy for that to happen. For anyone who would questions what, what impact the ETFs would have on this market, just bear in mind right now, To buy Bitcoin is actually difficult, by and large, especially in size, especially for the big allocators out there who may not want to open a Coinbase account, for example, or have to learn about self-custody, especially in light of the FTX blowups and the crap like that from the last cycle. A lot of these companies and the big allocators, the sovereign wealths, the high net worths, companies around the world... They actually just may not be allowed to buy it. There's all kinds of regulatory, accounting, reputational. There's all kinds of reasons why huge amounts of capital are sitting on the sideline who may want to buy it and just don't have a vehicle for it. Well, the Bitcoin ETFs, and in particular, the BlackRock Bitcoin ETF, now enables every investor in the world to buy Bitcoin. How about that? Does that sound like something that that would be interesting? Or you know, that'd be good for Bitcoin? There are now, every every obstacle is removed. Anyone who wants an allocation to Bitcoin can have one, thanks to the ETF. And again, especially the BlackRock and what that means. It's very turnkey. So look, I'm gonna go a deep dive on it and you know including some of the, the the risks or i should say drawbacks that are valid right because if you don't own real bitcoin in self-custody you actually don't have real bitcoin you own a security and another entity that owns the bitcoin in etf which is there's a million of them but that's just something to be mindful of okay moving on second item some other really good news exciting news in the Bitcoin space is that hash rate is at an all-time high. For anyone who doesn't know, hash rate is just the term that means the total computing power of the Bitcoin network. All the Bitcoin miners that you've heard of that are spinning all day long, solving these equations to try to win the next block reward, well, all of those together, all that computing power put together, and all the energy behind it that is called hash rate, and it is it has gone up so much. It is it is basically if you you looked at the graph of hash rate, it is like a hockey stick. It is like straight up. What's interesting about that is that hash rate usually follows the Bitcoin price. When the Bitcoin price is up, well, the miners make a lot more money because just remember, miners are paid in Bitcoin. the The compensation that miners get for providing the hash rate, for providing the computing power, is they have a chance to win the block reward. Every ten minutes, a miner wins a block reward. And they get they receive the Bitcoin as compensation. Nine hundred Bitcoin a day currently is what it is. And that's a lot of money, right? Just do the math. I mean nine hundred times what's the price of Bitcoin today? It's almost thirty thousand. So it's just it's a little below, but it's just for easy math. So that's 27 million U.S. dollars worth of Bitcoin get awarded to miners every single day currently, right? So if you just, you know, you think about what what will happen when Bitcoin price goes up a lot, right? When Bitcoin price goes up to 100,000. Well, you can just see it's, it's the economic incentives are generally for hash rate to follow price. And then the reverse of that is also true. When the dollar price of Bitcoin is down, well, it's tougher for miners, right? They're making less in dollar terms. And they still have bills to pay, right? They have high energy costs. They have staff they have to pay. So they have real-world costs. And look, I'm not going to get into too much about mining. I I have a lot to say. You could spend hours talking about mining. But the the reason I brought it up for today is just to get back to that the hash rate is at an all-time high. Now, keep in mind that the halving, the next Bitcoin halving is in April. So, what, seven, eight months away. And the halving, when that happens, the amount of Bitcoin that's awarded to miners gets cut in half. So their compensation is going to be cut in half in April. Yet they're investing so much now. So what do they know? Right? They must... Be very, very, very confident that the price of Bitcoin is going to go up in dollar terms. It's going to go up by a lot because they're investing so much in equipment right now. It costs a lot of money to buy these Bitcoin mining computers. And they're like huge data centers and they consume a ton of energy. So they have a ton of costs. They're investing like crazy in it, knowing that their compensation is going to be cut in half in April. Again, in Bitcoin terms. Their Bitcoin compensation gets cut in half at the halving. That's why it's called the halving. So that's really, really bullish when you put that all together. The people who know the most, a lot of these miners have been around you know, over 10 years. Like they are deeply, deeply knowledgeable, way more than any of us about what's actually happening in Bitcoin and where it's going. They're investing like crazy in the infrastructure. That's really the point. That's the main takeaway from this. They're investing heavily in the infrastructure of Bitcoin to both secure it. And the other thing about it though, is that we are now entering the era where entire nation states are going to be involved in Bitcoin mining. Again, something hash rate's gonna continue to just, just skyrocket. We're just at the start now, El Salvador, Ecuador, some countries in the Middle East, we're, we're just getting drips and drabs, but I think that could be what's contributing to this hash rate growth right now. There could be some nation states coming on board that we haven't heard of yet, that haven't announced. So we'll see. Something to track. It's something really interesting to track. All right, next item. Something not so great. I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on it because I think it's just it's just noise, but it's annoying, and it may have been in the news. You may have seen it. But with everything that's going on in the Middle East right now, which is just terrible, I mean, it's a tragedy. It, it's incredibly sad. There's nothing really much, you know, what can I say about the Middle East, right? I mean, it's just, it's awful. So much suffering. But what really, you know, how this relates to Bitcoin and what really irritates me is that Senator Elizabeth Warren, who's been on this anti-crypto crusade, essentially, for a couple of years now, has taken this opportunity to pursue her own agenda of re- trying to regulate crypto more by claiming that it's being used to fund uh, all these terrorists. Okay, a couple of things about that. First of all, it's just not true. I guess that's most importantly is it's just not true, especially as it relates to Bitcoin. And that's really what I, I the other cryptos I don't care about. We're not going to spend any time worrying about them on this pod. But as it relates to Bitcoin, first of all, Bitcoin is just money. Bitcoin is just money, and money is neutral. Money doesn't have an opinion as to what it's being used for, just like the US dollar, which has been used to fund every crime and every terrorist organization and every criminal activity in the world for hundreds of years. I mean, let's just be clear about that, right? That's not just the U.S. dollar. Every every currency in the world, it's money. Money money is used for all purposes, good and bad. And it's it's just so disingenuous of her to like single out that okay, if a little if has has any Bitcoin ever been used to fund Hamas in, in history? Yeah, I, I'm sure it has, but a tiny tiny percentage. But crucially. The really interesting part about this is that even Hamas has told its supporters, don't use Bitcoin. Don't give us any Bitcoin because it's trackable. It's the best thing that law enforcement, it's the greatest tool for law enforcement has ever had because every Bitcoin transaction exists on this public blockchain. It's like this ledger in the sky for all to see forever. Forever. And so, yeah, the, the, the Bitcoin transactions themselves are anonymous, but they're getting a lot better at tracking the endpoints, right? Where does it eventually go? Where did the money, you know, tra- trace, trace it all? Not just the Bitcoin transaction, but then what is that eventually used for? What other accounts, what other bank accounts, what, you know, you follow all that and that's how you get to the people. And the FBI has solved a number of crimes already doing that exact thing. And that's the reason that even Hamas said, "Don't use Bitcoin." So, it just you know it just it just bothers me. Look, we're going to have to face this criticism. It's one of the obvious, entire critiques of Bitcoin that it's being used to fund terrorist activities, and it's just look, it's an evolution of the asset. I think over time, you know, more and more people are going to learn the reality. And this kind of noise is going to go away, but it happened this week, so I just wanted to bring it up. You know, know, frankly, it's something—it's something to keep our eye on. The hostility of governments—you know, this could become a bigger issue. Not going to lie, but just something to keep our eye on. Okay, last thing. This weekend, there is an election in Argentina that is wild. Okay, it's something that is—is just again champagne on ice. We're keeping champagne on ice, but there is a guy running for president in Argentina who is just, uh, he's amazing. Javier Malay. Look him up. You don't know anything about him. I mean, his look, the hair, the, the lamb chop, you know, sideburns. He is this libertarian, firebrand kind of guy, and he has a real hatred for the fiat system, for central banking for the insane levels of inflation that it has caused in Argentina, which hyperinflation, I mean, currently, many, many, many times, but even currently, it's like a 100% inflation rate right now because the central bank just will not stop printing money. Anyway, it looks like he's going to win. Now, it depends. I don't really understand the election laws, but basically, if he wins by a certain percentage, a certain certain margin on this weekend. He's president. He's president of Argentina and he is a big supporter of Bitcoin. He is a believer. Of course, I mean, look, everything I just said, if you're if you're anti-central bank, anti-fiat, well, I've just I basically just said you are a hard money, you're a Bitcoiner. And he is he has indicated that as president, Argentina will now become a buyer of Bitcoin. They will start accumulating Bitcoin to you know, for their treasury. And that is amazing. But again, champagne and ice. He, he may not win. The election's not over. We'll just see what happens. The reason I bring it up, though, is because, again, it's an indication of just how early we are. How early. I think in the future, Many, 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 many countries will be accumulating Bitcoin. It'll be commonplace. It's just really fun, as somebody who's such a believer like me, to start seeing these things, the thesis that we've had, the game theory, the chess moves, you know, the chess board that we've we've seen. And we see what's going to happen. We don't know the time frame. We know the we know the chess moves. We just don't know. Necessarily in what order, or certainly the time frame, but to start seeing them play out in real time, and uh, we'll see. It, it It is fascinating. I'll keep you posted. We'll, you know, we'll check back on that next week um, to see what happened with that election. All right, so that's it. We're going to keep it tight. Thanks for listening, uh, and I'll see you next week.